It's been over a year now since In The Key Of Q launched. In our archive, you can find over 50 interviews of queer musicians from around the world and hear their music from rap Unaware of my proclivities to self-sabotage to country soul and rock. These episodes are available on the main feed. You can access them via the website at inthekeyofq.com or wherever you normally listen to podcasts. Hello, it's Dan here. In the Key of Q is on hiatus until the 1st of March, but until those new episodes drop, here are clips from the Patreon-exclusive feed, plus other treats from the main episode to keep you occupied. This week, we revisit Matt Fischel, This is an exclusive episode for our Patreon subscribers, where I chat with our queer musicians about their five songs to save from Armageddon. Enjoy. Hello. The world is coming to an end and you can only rescue five songs. Well, for a start, uh, the world coming to an end and only rescue five songs. I don't know which of those two is more stressful. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I have... Probably, I have a playlist of my 120 favourite songs ever, so this is a nightmare task. Um, but uh, I would select, I would choose... Um, so I'm going to choose a Pet Shop Boys song because I love and adore the Pet Shop Boys. I always have. They're one of my first musical influences. And I'm going to choose... It's hard to decide, but I'm going with Being Boring because I think that's probably the best song that the Pet Shop Boys have done for me. Um, (laughs) There is so much I love about it and so much I could say. Um, Lyrically, I think um, it's it's such a beautiful song lyrically. It it really, really um, showcases Neil Tennant's amazing um, lyric writing skills, which I love what he does. Very, very simple, well-chosen words and rhyming couplets that sum up so much. They evoke, this song's particularly evoke so much nostalgia and um, days of kind of youth and joy. And it charts it charts three periods of somebody's life, but it's also full of pathos and sadness. It, um, it alludes to the AIDS epidemic. And it's essentially, I think, about the loss of a friend to AIDS. So it's, it's very beautiful. It works on many levels. It has many meanings. It's also about youthful exuberance and the idea of looking out into the world and being excited to go out and make something of your life. And then the dreams that come and the dreams that don't happen all of that stuff is like all the stuff that i love in music you know um pathos nostalgia um beautiful lyrics uh so lyrically i think it's brilliant and musically it's again it's incredibly unconventional for a pop song i always love things that are kind of slightly against the norm um it's in it changes key all over the place it's in i I don't want to be all boring and you know be a boring muso about it all (laughs) but essentially it it jumps around at the end of the chorus it moves up like by one semitone and it's in it starts in a minor key it's it's just i I won't get boring about it but production wise and musically i think it's a fascinating song definitely one of their absolute best and the lyrics are beautiful so every element of it for me comes together oh and one last thing um, I don't know if you've heard this, but what I really love about the production is that Neil Tennant's voice, the entire song is sung in two octaves. It's sung on the lower octave, which is the main bit that you hear, quite a low voice. But the whole song, if you really listen in your headphones, is sung all the way through in a higher octave as well. And I love stuff like that, little subtle details that really open up the spectrum. So, yes, Being Boring by Pet Shop Boys. I would choose Like a Prayer by Madonna. 
I love its epicness for a pop song. It comes in at around, you know, just under six minutes or five and a half minutes or something. I love that it's epic. It has a choir. It has an odd song structure. It goes off on a crazy, amazing gospel tangent halfway through. It has the guitars at the beginning, if it's the album version or if it's the Immaculate Collection version with its God and um, the choir singing at the beginning. I love all the... I love how non-conventional and interesting it is whilst being addictively melodic and ridiculously uplifting and it makes me nostalgic for my childhood. And it doesn't outstay its welcome, which most pop songs over four and a half minutes right, do. Right, yeah, exactly. And this goes on a lot longer than that. And I actually equally love both the album version and the Immaculate Collection version, which, as you know, are kind of very different, but also equally as good for different reasons. So that one gets saved for me. Oh, I really struggle with Madonna. I would have chosen Vogue as well, but we're going with Like a Prayer. But, but, not, but not I'm Going Bananas. Oh, unfortunately <laughs> not. <laughs> Dr. Celiana says I'm going bananas. No, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> My Paul. <laughs> That's so weird. <laughs> yeah, it's a strange song. Yeah, it's not her best. <laughs> Although it's quite funny. Oh yeah, and there's bats in my belfry. None in my brain is certainly blamed to the water. I don't know that song at all. What am I talking about? I would have to choose a Prince song because he is my idol. And I'm not going to go for any of the conventional kind of singles that everyone knows. My absolute favourite Prince song is a song called Shh spelt S-H-H-H, from The Gold Experience. It's a seven-minute epic. I think it's the sexiest, dirtiest thing he's done, lyrically and musically. It's like, it's a slow jam with these crazy drum solos and guitar solos, and it's beautiful. Um, And to me, it represents all the best things about Prince as an artist. Um, I'm going to go for Crazy by Seal um, from back in 1991, because I... I love the production. To me, the production of that song and the whole album that it's taken from, his debut album, it's really nostalgic. It reminds me of like warm summers and like kind of orange and yellow glows and sunsets. And I love the production of um, Seal and Trevor Horn. I think they're an incredible duo. They always make these beautiful otherworldly sounds. I did not know Trevor Horn produced that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He produced Seal, all of Seal's first four albums, actually. Goodness. Yep. Um, he's a fantastic producer he's an amazing producer and the two of them have created for me a sound that has never been made since it's it's like this beautiful mix of acoustic and electric guitars really warm swirling strings and pads and synths and his lyrics are about you know they're anti-racism and they're about freedom and unity and i just love the sound and the opening the introduction of the song crazy I could play on loop. I just, I just love it. It's so evocative and warm and it kind of opens up this new sonic world that I've never heard before. I would also like to um, add a very quick muso comment to that song, which is that it's one of those rare songs that I love where the bass pretty much stays the same almost throughout the whole song and the chords swirl around it and I love that. So it's almost like a drone. Uh, well, yeah, kind of, yeah. It's, it, it mostly stays on, on one note and one riff while all the chords change around it, which gives it that kind of otherworldly, swirling feel that I really love in music. So my final one of the five, I, I'm going to go for a Manic Street Preacher song because those guys had a huge impact on me throughout my um, teens and 20s. And I'm going to choose a song right back from their first album, which I didn't actually hear when it came out, but I heard it again in retrospect several years later. And that's Little Baby Nothing from their album Generation Terrorists, which... I 
I've always adored. Melodically, it's beautiful and really uplifting. Lyrically, it's very profound and it's about um, women and women's rights and women and how they're treated by the patriarchy and how they're just thrown away as junk and used as sex toys. And all this. It's a fascinating lyric, which I've always loved. And to top it all off, it's a duet with the porn star Tracy Lords, which I think makes it, and it kind of really hammers home the point of the lyrics as well. This song is from 91. And they, the famous story is that I've heard them tell uh, many times is that they, the song was written for Kylie as a duet with Kylie. And so 91, it would have been recorded, 92. So that would have been just a kind of the end of the Stock and Waterman years. Yeah, the deconstruction contract was hovering. She then said later, many years later, that she was never told that they'd reached out to her for it. So clearly her management, like, I'm assuming just would, didn't tell her that the request came through. So they didn't get Kylie. And they worked with Tracy Lords, which I think is brilliant anyway, and it works perfectly. And then later, James Dean Bradfield wrote songs with Kylie anyway. But that's a different story. But yes, Little Baby Nothing from Manic Street Preachers. One of my main ambitions for this podcast is to introduce audiences to new Korean music. And I do think the best way to do that often is by a specific song. So what do you think would be the good gateway song into your catalogue? Hmm. I mean, I guess I'm going to have to go with a, a Radio Freddy Pop song, I suppose. Um, it's the, it's, it was my fifth single, but it's the opening track of my debut album. It sets out my mission statement, I suppose, as an artist. It says who I am, where I've come from, the journey I went through, being told, you know, to eradicate all the gay content from my songs. And it's, 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 I suppose, an acerbic tongue in cheek, um, critique on certain music industry executives and A&R men who constantly told me and I'm sure many other artists to remove all the gay content from their songs and what the song does is it 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 sets the scene and it's from it changes perspective it's from the perspective of them talking to the artists but then halfway through my voice comes out and I basically say uh fuck you I'm gay, I'm open, I'm proud, I'm happy to be, and this is who I am as an artist, and nothing you do or say is gonna stop me being me. And you'll never play a leading man if you let on to your facts the truth about who you are. Just remember that girls like boys and boys like girls, and that's the way it has been. Matt Fischel, thank you so much for coming on this very first episode of In the Key of Q. Thank you. It's been a real privilege. Genuinely, it was your music that helped inspire this podcast. <laughs> so thank you so, oh. so much. Oh, it's been amazing. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. You wouldn't need to write a hit record for the radio. Are you never gonna get it? The kids already know. You've been listening to In the Key of Q. You can find Matt's music on the usual streaming platforms and check out his forever home at mattofficial.com. The opening theme is by Paul Lee Nidu at unstoppablemonsters.com. Check out the show notes for links, including a Spotify playlist to complement this episode. The podcast's home is at inthekeyofq.com. And over on our Patreon page, you can find exclusive content. Many thanks to Kajun Kanfer and Murray Lang. Special thanks to Tom Goss at tomgossmusic.com. You can hear our full conversation later in this series. Please rate and subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media. This episode is produced by me, Dan Hall, for Pup Media Consultancy. See you next Tuesday. Tuesday.